what is up church Exodus 27 here we go is rough. if you care to do that today. Uh, we're continuing our series of God's top 10 tips for a great life. We're dealing with the Ten Commandments, obviously. Today we're talking about not using the Lord's uh, name incorrectly or misusing the name of the Lord. Uh, it comes from Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, which says, you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse His name. <clears throat> Now you need to keep in mind that we're studying the, uh, the top four. You could actually break the commandments out into two groups. The top four deal with our relationship with God. The lower six deal with our relationship with one another. We're, we're doing these in backward fashion from 10 to one and so we've already dealt with the lower six. Now we're in this grouping of the top four which talk to us about building our relationship with God. And, and today, we're, we're looking at one of, the, uh, one of the directives from the Lord about how we build and maintain and grow our relationship with Him. And He says that we are not to misuse His name or misrepresent Him in any way. Going up to verse number 2 of Exodus chapter 20, God gives the people of Israel the reason why he gave them the Ten Commandments. I mean, like, why would God give them the Ten Commandments? First of all, you have to realize he, they didn't know who he was. They didn't know him as a covenant God. They had to learn all about him. Some of you are kind of in that same position where you're learning all about who God is. That's the way they were. They didn't really have a culture of God in their life, a knowledge of the Lord in their life. And so in verse number 2 of chapter 20, he gives to them, the reasons, in fact, I see two reasons here why he was giving to them the commandments. The first reason was uh, because he was God, because he was the Lord. He was saying, I am your God, and therefore I'm going to give you these commandments to help you to know my heart, 
to know what's important to me, and so forth. And you'll notice here in this verse, he says, I am the Lord your God. I, I failed to read that scripture. It says, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. And so he says here, the reason I'm giving you these commandments is because I am the Lord. I am unique from all of the other gods of the world. All the other gods are false gods. I want you to know that I am the true and the living God. And you'll notice that he says, I am your God, the Lord, your God. So they were specifically going to be his people. He was going to be their God. Uh, he had already delivered them out of Egypt. We'll talk about that in a moment. But uh, because of that, he wanted them to know that he had great blessings in store for them if they would, uh, if they would commit their lives unto him. Which kind of brings us then to the second reason why he... Uh, gave them the Ten Commandments is because he, he had rescued them from slavery in Egypt, and they were not to forget that. Now, for them, that was a literal rescue because Israel had spent over 400 years in Egyptian slavery, of course, being mistreated and all that went along with that. Generations came, generations went, um, knowing nothing more than slavery. I can't even imagine that. But the whip on their back, that's, that's what they lived with every single day. But through Moses, the Lord brought uh, complete deliverance to them, and he set them free from that bondage, that slavery. And, and the Ten Commandments then were given to Israel to show them how to build a relationship with this God who had rescued them, and also how to build a relationship with one another as a new culture, as a new nation. So the commandments, the Ten Commandments, can be looked at as, as rules or guidelines of, number one, faith. He says, you are to have no other gods before me. I, uh, I want your faith to be solidly in the Lord. Number two, worship, no idols. You are to worship no idols. Three, reverence, do not misuse the name of the Lord or take it in vain. Number four, Time, remember to keep the Sabbath day holy. Number five, guidelines towards authority. Honor your father and mother and all uh, levels of authority. We talked about that already. Uh, guidelines towards life, value life, do not murder. Uh, number seven, purity, sexual purity is the focus here. Do not commit adultery, specifically talked about but the whole gamut of sexual purity. Number eight, property. Guidelines for uh, understanding God's blessing. And we are not to be thieves. We are not to steal if we want the blessings of God on our lives. Number nine, the tongue, the word that we say is to be truthful. We shall not lie. And number 10, guidelines towards contentment, not being a covetous person, desire when others have perhaps taking you to the point of even stealing, but uh, even if it's just in your heart, it's wrong, so do not covet. So God is telling Israel that he is the Lord, and he reminds them that he is the one who delivered them out of Egyptian slavery. And if they follow him, they'll stay a free people. If they do not follow him, they can go right back into bondage. It may not be Egypt, it may be some other nation, but they'll go right back into bondage all over again. And when you think about that, about the whole concept of slavery and so forth, we can think, well, man, I'm glad that wasn't me. But in reality, this is not unlike what God has done for many of us, for all of us. 
Because all of us, the Bible says, were slaves to sin. Now, I may not have had a literal whip put to my back, but I was a slave nonetheless to my old life, to my sin. We were all slaves to sin before we were set free through the power of Jesus Christ. And so what happened in Israel is a symbol, is a type of what happens to us when we are set free from our old life. Some of us were slaves to alcohol, some to drugs, some to pornography and other acts of immorality. Some were slaves to lust and greed, gossip, hate, and violence, and on and on we could go. And, and we tried to get free on our own. We worked so hard to improve ourselves. But, and you know what I'm talking about. You keep falling back into the old life. You can't do it on your own. It's when Jesus comes into your life. He has the power to set that off, to break you free from that, to set you free from that old life. When you open up your heart to him, he broke the power of that old sin that dominated your life, and now you are a new person. Uh, we are a new people. The Bible calls us a new creation in Christ Jesus, and we're in a covenant relationship with God just like Israel was, only better. And I say better because our covenant now is based on what Jesus did for us, not what we do for ourselves in order to earn our salvation. That's what religion is. It's you trying to earn your own salvation. If I follow the rules of my religion, then I'll be right with God. But what the gospel teaches us is that we could never get good enough to earn our own salvation. It's not what we do, it's what Christ did, and now we just put our faith in what he did by sacrificing his life on the cross, rising from the dead, and now he becomes our Savior and our Lord. It's all about what Jesus has done for us. Just like it was Israel, they could do nothing to set themselves free. It had to be God setting them free, God working the ten plagues against Egypt, God opening the Red Sea so they could get away. God doing, they didn't save themselves, God saved them. And God has saved us too. Hallelujah. Give praise to the Lord. He, he deserves our praise for what he's done in our lives. So for us today, the Ten Commandments aren't rules, aren't laws. They are guidelines that help us to know how to stay free because we don't want to go back into bondage. And so we look at these commandments and we say, God, what principles are you teaching us here so that we can stay free and never have to go back into that old uh, way of living? And so the commandments, if we follow them as principles, they lead us into a right relationship with God, a right relationship with one another, and a strong uh, way of life. And that brings us then to commandment number three, which simply says, you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. So this morning, I want us to look at this commandment in two different ways. Number one, I want us to talk about what it means to misuse the name of the Lord. If you're familiar with the King James, it says, taking the name of the Lord in vain. What does that mean? And then secondly, I want us to look at a broader idea here of of uh, a, 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 an understanding of the power of our words, okay? So first of all, let's look at what it means to misuse the name of the Lord. Again, like I said, most of us, maybe I shouldn't say that, many of us are familiar with the King James 
version of the commandments. And the King James translates the Hebrew here in this verse, in verse 7, as vain, as vain thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. The New Living translates that word as misuse. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord. The Living Bible uses the word irreverently. Don't use God's name irreverently. The Message Bible renders the Hebrew as curses and silly banter. In other words, don't, don't, you, don't uh, curse with your mouth. Don't get involved in silly issues with your, mouth, with your mouth back and forth, especially as it relates to relationship with God. So what he is saying is that, and I think this is the important thing to understand, is that our relationship with God must be honored and it must be protected. You've got to honor it, and you've got to protect it. So don't say anything that might damage or hurt your relationship with God. Don't do what might damage or hurt your relationship with God. And, you know, we understand that from a very practical standpoint. You can't have a good relationship with someone if you're talking negatively about them all the time. You, you know, oh, they're my best friend, but let me tell you about them. You know, if you're doing that, you're not going to be best friends with that person for very long. If you're misrepresenting someone, you won't, you, that, that word is going to get back to that individual. You know it, it always gets back to that individual. Whatever you're saying, and it's going to hurt the relationship, it'll damage the relationship, it'll destroy the relationship. That's why God says gossip is so bad. That's why he comes down on it so hard. It destroys relationships. Gossip never builds anything. It always destroys. And so God says, don't gossip. And if you think that your gossip stays between you and whomever you share it with, think again. That gossip will always get back to the person you're talking about. Always. In the case of the Lord, it doesn't get back to him that you said it. He knows that you said it. When it comes out of your mouth, he knows that you said it. In fact, the Bible teaches us that he knows what's in your heart before you ever say it. So he knows it's about to come out before it actually does come out. So it doesn't have to get back to him. If we misuse his name in an irreverent manner, if we misrepresent him to others by invoking his name in a way that's, that's misusing him, we're hurting our relationship with him. Just like we would hurt our relationship with anybody else if we were to bring them into a conversation that demeaned them. So that's easy to understand. Now, as it relates to misusing God's name, I think there are two things that are important here. The first one would be this. Using his name for frivolous or insincere purposes. It Kind of like... Uh, Swearing as a witness in a courtroom that you're going to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. A number of years ago, I was called, I was subpoenaed to be a witness for a case in Colorado. I went into the courtroom, I raised my hand, I placed my hand, the other hand on the Bible, and I swore that I would tell the truth, the whole truth, so help me God. Now, if I do that with the intention of not telling the truth, that is that is taking the name of the Lord in vain. That is misusing his name. I'm saying, I will do this in God's name. You can, you can believe what I'm going to say. But if in my heart I know that I'm not going to tell the truth, 
that becomes sin between my God and me. Leviticus 19 verse 12 says, don't swear falsely using my name, violating the name of your God. I am God. Now, most of us never appear as, as probably witnesses in a trial like I had to do. Most people don't do that. But there's a very prominent way God's name is misused in culture today. And it's so vile to me personally, I am not going to say it to you. Because I could not say it and feel good about saying it in front of you. So here's the deal. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go to Pastor Sid after the service. <laughs> he will tell you what I am referring to. He knows exactly what I'm referring to. I think most of you know what I'm talking about. You see this, this comment on, on a daily basis in our streets and in our entertainment, and it's, it's just everywhere. And that is a misuse of God's name. But what I want to talk to you about is something that has become even more prevalent even amongst Christians. And it is so acceptable in our society and pop culture that we don't have any problem doing it. And we think, a lot of us don't even know that we're, that we're hurting the heart of God. And it's, I'll just use the initials, this OMG thing. It's everywhere. It's on, it's on television. It's in movies. It's, it's on Facebook. I see it by the postings on Facebook, on Twitter. On and on you could go. It's just you see this everywhere in daily conversation. Psalm 139 verse 20 says, They blaspheme you. Your enemies misuse your name. Speaking of God. They blaspheme you, God. Your enemies misuse your name. And you know, we can understand that unbelievers do that. I, I understand that Hollywood's going to misuse God's name because Hollywood doesn't honor God, doesn't honor Christ. They misuse the name of Jesus Christ all the time. So he, Jesus Christ is nothing more than a swear word to a lot of people. But what must really grieve God's heart is when his people use that expression and they dishonor him in the process. And I just lay that out there. When I say I see it on Facebook, I don't like have anybody in mind. I, I don't like write down every name that I see who uses that. So at my age, I don't remember who you are. That's a good thing. But I want you to just think about it. Have you fallen into the trap of what the world culture, pop culture says is okay? And in the process, you're hurting your relationship with God. And you're wondering why you're not closer to the Lord. And you're wondering why, you know, you feel, it feels like your prayers are so, so far removed from God. And you just wonder where the blessings of God are at and so forth and so on. Um, are you blaspheming and misusing the name of the God that you say that you love. Um, the second thing I'd want to just mention to you here that I think is implied in this misuse of God's name is using God's name for selfish or evil purposes. And there's a, you, we could get 
create a long list on that, but on this, but I'll just give you this one. The thing that jumped to my mind immediately was people who claim that God told them to do or say something when it wasn't really God at all. And I understand that sometimes people can make mistakes, and I'm not coming down on people who, who have honest hearts and they're generally making mistakes, but some guy, some people use this as a, as a way to manipulate people. And they say, God told me to tell you. I can't tell you the number of times I've had people come up to me and say, God told them to tell me something. And it wasn't a word from God. It wasn't a directive from God. And you say, well, how do you know? Time proved that it wasn't. Time proved it to be false. And that's why the Apostle Paul says that we're to judge whether something is from God or not. We aren't just to take it carte blanche as, as being from God. Like, for instance, we had a message in tongues and interpretation just a moment ago in the service. Some of us get this idea that that's on the same level ground as the Bible itself, and it's not. You are to judge what is said by the word of God and discerning that in your spirit, and you're right to do that. Do you know that you're supposed to judge what I say? You, know, you, you don't just, anybody who sits up here or stands up here is automatically, oh, they, everything they say is right. You are to judge what I say. That's the way we're supposed to work in, in the body of Christ. And, and um, we do it through the power of the word of God. You know, is what's being said, is that in, align, in alignment with the word of God? And, you know, probably the first thing that comes to your mind is maybe an uneasiness in your spirit that this doesn't seem right. And, you know, I've, I've even called the other pastors in at times when I've had people tell me certain things and I've said, this is what's being said, how do you, how do you see that? I want us to pray about this over the next several days and see, is this really a word from God for us? I think that's right, I think that's Bible right. I think that's the thing to do and I think that that keeps us out of, of trouble. So Paul says we're to judge whether something is from God or not. Now listen, if you are in the habit of using God's name in vain or misusing God's name, you know, when you get saved, your mouth sometimes takes a little while to conform. Don't get discouraged, you know, and don't get judgmental on one another. If somebody lets, whoop, there it goes, you know, and, you know, they let the four-letter word come out, and it's not love, you know, but it comes flying out, and you're there, you're a Christian, you shouldn't be talking that way. Well, of course they shouldn't be, but sometimes it takes a while for conversion to clean up everything. And, but what I encourage you to do is continue to pray about it and seek God to give you a, a pure heart because out of your heart comes your words. And if you get a pure heart, your words will clean up too. But sometimes right at first, when you first come to Christ, especially if you're in an environment where swearing is going on all the time where you work, it's hard to, to, uh, to change. It takes a little bit of time. So um, get the clean heart, and God will give you control of your tongue to give him glory with your words. Which kind of brings me to the second thought that I want to share with you today. And it's the power of words. I, I think a lot of the reason we are loose with our speech is because we don't understand the power of the words that we speak. Proverbs 18, 21 says, 
Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. That's a pretty powerful statement. Death and life are in the power of your words. And when you speak, you will eat its fruit. In other words, that means you will receive what you say. So if you're swearing God's name, man, that becomes a real powerful curse, even upon your own life. And that death and life applies to both others and to yourself, which you say can have an effect on those who hear you, and, they can, and it can have an effect even upon you, the course of your own life. And that's what this verse is saying. In fact, if you go up to the, the previous verse, which is verse 20, God says, wise words satisfy like a good meal. The, the right words bring satisfaction. So, that, and then it goes on to say, life and death are in the power of the tongue. So if you, if you think you can say whatever you want without consequence, you are wrong. Because what you say and what you allow yourself to hear will have great impact on your future. If your words are uplifting and positive, they will build faith. They will bring great benefit into your life. And that's true of not only yourself, but of those who hear your words, like your spouse or your kids. If your words build them up, they will achieve far more in their life than if you constantly verbally tear them down. That doesn't mean you don't correct, because correction is a positive thing. Sometimes the most positive thing you can say to your child is no. Okay, we'll, we'll leave it there. But if you're always talking about the things they do wrong, if you're always talking about how to, what a disappointment they are, if you're always talking about um, the things that you don't like at home or, or on your job, everybody can complain about their job. Or at church, you can find anything to complain about, you know, at, at church. I saw a, tw a, a, a Facebook post this past week slamming some of the people at Life Church. They were a disappointment to this individual. And they had to mention our church. So I responded. Now, normally, I don't get into those kind of petty little things. But this time, I did. And I let her know what I thought of her post. But I did it in a kind way, didn't I? I ran it by Carrie first because I can be, mm. And <laughs> she brings the, so the, the, the soothing oil back into it. She says, ah, let's change that word. I guess the word heathen was too strong. Like, you heathen! You know, no, no. <laughs> Not really, I'm kidding. <laughs> but if, if, you know, if it's all the time what, what's wrong, then that's going to create a negative spirit. I, in my last church, uh, there was a group of people that really wanted to see a, a great revival. It was a wonderful attitude. I, I loved, I wanted to see that too, but they wanted it in the Brownsville, Florida style. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And when it didn't happen like that in the church, they became very critical. So I met with them and I said, hey, you know, all of your criticizing is not bringing revival into our church. It's destroying the move of God, not bringing the move of God. And the reason for that is because words have power. 
They can bring life to a church or death. They can bring life to your child or you, they can destroy his or her future. They can prosper a business or they can tear that business apart. They can build up a nation or they can divide and destroy that nation. Proverbs 15:4 says, A gentle tongue with its healing power is a tree of life, but willful contrariness in it breaks down the spirit. Boy, is that true. So listen, if you are sick in body, get a positive declaration out of your mouth going. Start saying and declaring your healing. If your kids are rebellious, declare them coming back to God. Don't just talk about how lousy your kids are. Talk about them, declare them as coming back to Jesus. If your finances are low, declare God's abundance in your life. And the most powerful thing you can declare is what God has already said in his word because it's his covenant with you. And you start declaring the word of God over your life. And I've given in your notes a whole bunch of uh, verses and I'm out of time, so I'm not going to read them all to you this morning. But you, you get into your own Bible, make a list of what God speaks to you by the Spirit about, and put that into your life and begin to declare it. It's what's in your heart that is coming out through your mouth. Jesus said in, in Matthew 12, whatever is in your heart determines what you say. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. That's kind of scary right there. You know, and so God is saying that the thing is not to to never talk. Obviously, you have to talk. The thing is to get your spirit right, get your heart right, uh, and and get it cleaned up. And when it it gets cleaned up and it's not like the world anymore, you know, then God begins to pour blessings and favor and and prosperity and healing and anointing and and revival in the church, hallelujah, and revival in your home. And it's it's a powerful thing that will happen. Let me just finish with this one verse, Psalm 141, verse 3. Let's make this our prayer. Help me, Lord, to keep my mouth shut, my lips sealed. Pretty good advice, huh? Well, I burned through that last part there. Should have been here in the first service. I made them listen to all of it. You got out of that. But the truth is, some of us we've really allowed ourselves to be corrupted in our speech. And we're killing ourselves, we're killing our families, and we're wondering where the blessings of God are. And I know it's easy to do that because everybody around us is like that. But let's make a covenant with God right now that we're not going to be that way. Let's make a covenant right now with God that says, Lord, I am no longer going to misuse your, your, your name. In fact, I'm not going to misuse words at all. And you're not going to be perfect. I'm not perfect. Sometimes I get on Bangator and, oh, you dirty bum, what's the matter with you, you know, and all that stuff is mumbling, you know. Um, and then I see it's my wife, and I talk to you, you know. And, well, she's not a dirty bum, she's a sweetheart, just can't drive. But no, I... Uh, <laughs> anybody want to invite me to lunch today? <laughs> I think I might need an invitation. <laughs> Not really, I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, sometimes those things are there. We say it and get mad at, at the job, mad at our boss. or for, for I mean, mad in the church, 
And I'm sure that the lady who made that posting on Facebook probably had a legitimate concern that, that made her upset. You know, I don't know. But that's not the way to handle it. You know, you handle it differently than that. And, and that's what I'm saying. We've got to learn to take stuff to Jesus and not just be letting this stuff come flowing out of our mouths all the time. Take it to the Lord. Let him hear it. He doesn't get offended. And he'll heal your spirit. He'll heal your heart. Give you a soft spirit, a merciful spirit. And that's what that verse means. Lord, help me to keep my mouth shut and my lips sealed. That doesn't mean never talk. That means help me to shut my mouth to the wrong things, seal my lips to the wrong stuff, and let me, with an open mouth, give you praise and build up my friends, build up my family, build up my boss, Whoa. build up those who come to church with me. Let's do that with one another, and let's just see what God does with it. Amen? All right, let's stand together. Thanks for being here today. I just want to bless you today. Here at Life Church, we pray that you have a blessed week. Please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or you can always go to lifechurchutah.com.